Hello and welcome back to our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy. And I'm excited to be here today with my sister, Celeste Palmer. And this is our first time meeting as well. So I'm, I'm just uh, curious to get to know her. And uh, starting with the good questions that I always ask from people to just introduce themselves and to share with us, you know, how did you come across with the medicine and uh, your path with the medicine? So welcome, Celeste. <laughs> Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. Um, and yeah, that's such a great question. It's also a really big question. Um, and so feel free to kind of like cut me off at any point. Um, but I, I'm, my name is Celeste Palmer and I am currently residing in Washington state. Um, and this is where I was born and raised. Um, and so I'm back here kind of for the time being. Um, and I came to working with ayahuasca almost five years ago now at a really, uh, pivotal moment in my life. I, it was my Saturn return and I was going through some really big transitions and um, I had left a seven-year relationship. We had been married for two years and I was working uh, in corporate America selling tech software, which every time I, I, I say that I laugh because I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I was selling software in corporate America. Um, and I was also bartending on the weekends. So the corporate job was kind of the bridge out of bartending, but I still needed to bartend to make ends meet. And um, after my relationship had ended, I remember walking into my day job and I could just feel like the stifling of my energy. And I sat behind my desk and I thought, I can't do this anymore and I don't want to do this anymore. I just had this really deep um, knowing within my being that there was something more to life than my current experience. And so in that moment, I decided that I was going to quit my job. I didn't know how yet, but I was going to quit my job and I was going to fulfill a childhood dream of traveling. And um, so within, I think, four months, a series of events happened to where I was able to save up enough money to, um, to, to quit my job and to leave my city. I had sold most of my things. I had sold my car. I broke my lease and I decided I was just going to travel. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was going to start in Mexico. And right before I was living in Austin, Texas at the time. And right before I left Austin, I met a man and he randomly started talking to me about, he had Cambo scars on his arm and, uh, he, and I just started talking and he st started to share with me how he went to the jungles of Peru and he, um, had been working with ayahuasca and that was the the second time that i had heard about ayahuasca i actually almost sat in a ceremony randomly in costa rica a few years prior with my previous partner um, and we were on our way to the the ceremony and the gps was going haywire we got lost we got stuck in city traffic and we decided 45 minutes before the retreat that we just weren't going to do it um, 
and now in hindsight, I can see why, because that wasn't the experience for me. That wasn't an, an alignment with me. Um, and so again, I'm, I'm having this conversation with this man and he's like, well, my teacher's going to be, my shaman is going to be in Europe and I was going to be in Europe. And so he said, I'll connect you. And so, um, I tried to connect with his shaman and we, we did connect, we were in touch, but the dates didn't work out. He didn't know where he would be at what times. And so it was just kind of, um, it was loose and, and nothing solid. But I figured if he's offering ayahuasca in Europe, somebody else must be too. And so I found the retreat. Uh, at the time, they were called Quattro Vientos, and now they are known as APL Journeys, and they, they host um, retreats in Spain and now Mexico as well. But I... I ended up at everything just like it aligned so perfectly um, and there were seeds being planted for me along the way and I was really on this path of just like I'm just going to follow my heart. I'm going to walk um, on the green lights and I'm going to pivot on the red lights and I'm just going to go with the flow and so I ended up at my first ayahuasca retreat and it was the third ceremony that um it was the third ceremony where i received a vision of myself walking barefoot in the jungle and there were flowers that were growing up from the footprints that i left behind me um and then i the vision continued and I saw myself leading ceremony as an old woman with wrinkly lips and singing Icaros and I'm getting goosebumps as I share this story again and um, and then it was very clear to me that the shaman leading that ceremony was my teacher and so after after that <laughs> I, I ended up going uh, I've I've now I go to Peru to study and I uh, am a dietero or a practitioner of la dieta, which is the traditional way of learning curanderismo and shamanism of the Amazonian region directly from the plants. Um, and yeah, there was, there was a period between receiving the vision and feeling really excited right i was like oh my god i'm gonna be a shaman this is like exciting because <laughs> one of my main intentions for working with this medicine was um i was super lost and unfulfilled in my life and my work and i didn't know what to do or where to go and so i was asking what is my purpose and i received this vision and then as i continued my personal work with ayahuasca i realized um that well, it's a dark world and it's, uh, it's difficult and this is a difficult path. Shall I choose to walk it? And I'm just not sure that I, I want that. I saw how I would have to compromise some other dreams that I had for myself, perhaps, um, in order to, to walk this path. And so it took me a couple of years before, as well as like my own the beginning of my healing 
um, which was really unlocking the deepest core wounds that were still hurting within me that were preventing me from greater aligning with the vision that I had received. Um, so that's a, that's a short story. <laughs> that's a short version of the story, which <laughs> I know was well, still long. That sounds amazing. I just uh, wrote an article about this for psychedelic support about if ayahuasca can tell you your life purpose. So <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny that this comes up because a lot of people come to the medicine, I think, <clears throat> with this intention, you know, what is my purpose? Why I am here? Like, I feel so lost, you know, unfulfilled, as you said, just I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know what do I want. Yeah. So please show me. And um, many times like oftentimes people don't get a vision like that you know this is kind of like like uh, less likely to get a clear vision like what you received it's normally more symbolic and um, and oftentimes people just get to see the obstacles that are blocking you know the higher expression or alignment as you said but not necessarily such a clear vision and and I think everybody uh, once that vision everybody goes with that yeah I'm gonna be shown like that like loud and clear like no mistake what is going on here and and that's um that's really beautiful <clears throat> experience when that happens uh but for a lot of people it's not necessarily like that so okay so you receive this vision and I'm sure people like a lot of people want to know that how did this look like in practicality you know that you just like moved to Peru uh, what kind of language did you communicate with the people over there like and just like how did you move from that totally mainstream world and life to this like you know, very alternative you mm -hmm. know way of being so yeah. to speak. um well so the retreat uh, that I had arrived at, I also began collaborating with them. I was uh, working with them. And so I was providing meditation and yoga at their retreats. And then I was also sitting in on the ceremonies to um, learn how to facilitate, to help facilitate. Um, and so it, it evolved in that way. Um, and so that became, that became my work. And I would go to Peru about, um, well, so my first trip to Peru was in 2019. And the first diet that I did was a 20 day plant diet. And so the dieting process for people who don't know what it is, it's, um, again, the traditional way of, of healing and learning curanderismo or shamanism and it but not everybody goes to the dieting process to learn although learning takes place and healing takes place many people go um, for deeper healing so ayahuasca is a medicine of the the psyche it's a visionary plant and um it's uh it's a medicine for the psyche and also it helps as you know to to clean the stomach of parasites and so it also 
cleans the energetic bodies of parasitic energy. Um, but ayahuasca doesn't really, other than, than that, it doesn't really address physical ailments. And so there's hundreds and thousands of other master plant teachers that carry medicine as well. Ayahuasca is the mother medicine, so I kind of see her as like the conductor and or like the head doctor. Um, and the rest of the medicines or the rest of the plants, these master plant teachers, they also carry medicine, maybe for the body. Um, they have personalities, their spirits carry, have fun or pers unique personalities. So each plant is like, it's like, us, you know, we're all unique in our own way and we carry our own medicine. And so, so can, uh, you, can you share an example, for example, what kind of plant you dieted and, you know, what did you learn from that experience? Yeah. Um, what I found is that the plants are really just like ayahuasca, you know, ayahuasca meets you where you are and will teach and show and guide and heal a person in a unique personalized way. And so um, I've, I, the first diet I did was with uh, chuchuwashi and une de gato. So chuchuwashi is a tree and une de gato is a vine. And chuchuwashi helps to, to it's a tonic and it, it tones the reproductive organs in both men and women. Um, and it can balance, tone, and regenerate um, and revitalize the reproductive organs as well as the libido. And so for me, that was my first diet. And it was really just kind of like dipping my toes in the water. It was really an introduction into this world. Um, and it's much different than an ayahuasca ceremony. These are non-psychoactive plants. And so it works really slowly, so slow that it feels almost as if nothing's happening to a certain degree. And then the deeper you go into the dieting process, um, it's this process of emptying ourselves. So there's different disciplines that are being practiced. You're living in isolation. You're not talking to anybody. You're eating really simple foods. Um, so white rice, boiled plantains, grilled river fish, a particular fish. So it's sustainable foods, but um, really neutral to where it creates through the other disciplines of, of being in isolation and, and not consuming information, other people's ideas, other people's energies um, and stimulating foods. We create an open channel to bridge our energy with the energy of the plant to where the plant can now teach us or we can just we're resonating with the plant we can hear the plant we can feel the plant we can sense the plant and so for me um, during the day it's pretty subtle and, it, and it's just like today or any day and then it's at nighttime when I go into the dream world where the plants will begin to teach me or heal me or show me things or um, um, so my first plant diet it was there was a lot of like kind of dark dreams that I was having there was like mafia and mobsters and weird things that were happening 
Um, I had an abortion in one of, in the dream, not in real life, but in the dream, there was this experience of me being pregnant and then having an abortion. Um, and symbolically it was me, um, well, the plant that I was working with again was chuchuashi. And so there was a purification happening of perhaps stuck energy in my reproductive system that needed to be cleared in order for me to begin to heal. So it was really like symbolic and kind of um, twisted and distorted. Another dream that I had was a really, I mean, this was just a fascinating dream. So I, it was myself and I was babysitting a little girl and later I realized that that little girl was like my inner child. Um, and we had a new neighbor move in and he was a gentleman and he was really um, sweet and kind and he invited us over for dinner. And so we, well, at first we were scared. We were like, oh my God, there's a neighbor here. And we, so we hid and he came and he found us and he said, why are you hiding? Like, everything's fine. Come on out. I'd like to have you over for dinner. And the man in my dream was a father of, or a good friend of my father's in real life. And so in my dream, I recognize that this person is safe and I can trust him. So I followed him into his house, my, the little girl and I, and when we came into his house, his house was really familiar. There were um, Pacific Northwest Native American art all over the, all over the walls and there was a cookbook on the counter and it was my grandmother's writing. And um, there was a note that said Gary on the counter and I thought that's my father's name. My father's name is Gary who has passed, but all of these things were really symbolic of, of things that are familiar to me in my life and things that, are, that represent home and family. And so I was building rapport in this dream. And so he began to take us on the tour of the house and the house was like the outer room and then it would spiral inward. And so the rooms would go deeper and deeper, which was kind of like symbolic of going deeper into the dieting process. So he was walking us into the rooms and we got to a certain room and um, I felt afraid for whatever reason, I'm not sure, but the little girl and I, we, grabbed hands and we ran out and I woke up and um, so I shared the dream with my teacher and he was so excited he was like bien Sele bien um, he calls me Sele and <laughs> it was symbolic and so it was symbolic of these the characters that were being played in the dream they were uh, representing the spirit of the plants um, and they were telling me that it's okay, that I'm safe, that I have neighbors, there's other people here with me, and that it's safe for me to go deeper. Um, and just like in life or healing, but you know, especially in the dieting process and related to this story that I'm sharing, is that we'll only go as deep as we are ready to go, and really we need to cultivate that trust within ourselves in a really organic way. So we can't rush it. And in the dieting process, 
Um, it's, it's really clear. We can't rush it. We can't fake it. We'll only receive new information or deeper healing to the degree that we can surrender and trust the process. Yes, that's very well said. Um, thank you. So can you share uh, with us a little bit, because I think a lot of people would be confused. What is the difference between being a curandero that is using a lot of different plants versus being an ayahuascaro, like a person who holds, you know, the ayahuasca ceremonies? And uh, what is like, what is your calling, what you're more called to do and, and why? Yeah. So a uh, curandera in, or curandero is a, it's a healer. And so they have cultivated a relationship with many medicines, many plant medicines. Um, the jungle is like the pharmacy. And so a curandero is somebody who works with many, many plants. A palero is somebody who works with trees. Um, Oftentimes, a curandero and a palero, they, a curandero works with trees and a palero also works with plants. An ayahuasquera would be, um, you know, somebody who I guess their expertise is in facilitating ayahuasca ceremonies or serving ayahuasca, whether it is in ceremony or um, cultivating a relationship with this plant. And so, and there's also um, tobaqueros who work with tobacco or mapacho, right? And so that is somebody who just has a really, um, perhaps more, a stronger connection, a deeper connection with that one particular plant. Anybody who is serving ayahuasca, at least traditionally and ethically, um, would be somebody who has undergone the dieting process um, and who has received the initiation. Uh, the dieting process, again, it's this process of emptying ourselves first and then filling ourselves up with the frequency of these earth medicines while cultivating and bridging a relationship with these earth medicines, these sacred earth medicines. And so um, there's so and in, in ceremony, um, anybody who has sat in a traditional ceremony knows that the shaman is singing Icaros or sacred medicine songs and Icaros are songs that have been received by the shaman in the dieting process. <clears throat> by the plant. So the plants deliver the song to the dietero during the dieting process. Um, and then sometimes they come outside of the dieting process too. Once you're a little bit further on the path, it can come like more organically in ceremony, but, but more or less they are received during the dieting process. And so when the shaman is singing these songs, they are singing to the plants and they are singing to God um, to invoke the spirit of these doctorcitos, the plants of La Selva, to come into the ceremonial space to facilitate the healing. And so the shaman just acts as a 
channel or a vessel to orchestrate the ceremony and for a traditional proper ceremony it is the the, the shaman or curandero the ikoros and then the medicine and so the ikoros is what carry the journey for the participant to move through their healing and receive whatever guidance and teachings the medicine has for them. Um, for me, I really resonate with curandera and I am, I feel, well, so part of my story, and it's really only made sense, um, you know, like in hindsight. So again, like I had to, to, to walk a particular depth of my path in order for certain things to reveal themselves to me. And in the revealing of that, I can see into my past why I underwent some of the most trialing experiences of my life, which really were preparing me all along for this purpose to um, to walk the path of curanderismo where I am being prepared to, um, to help children and their families heal from cancer. And um, this is part of my personal story because my twin sister, Caitlin, um, when we were nine years old, she was diagnosed with leukemia and she passed away when we were 13 which was really kind of like the beginning of my my story but i was really wounded for a long time and dissociated and rebellious and um quite lost and until until i had to wake up until it was time to wake up and so my divorce was kind of like the the big like the the release of the cap or the valve that really just opened me up and had me in this place where I felt like there was no other choice. I, I must do something different. And now that I have, um, you know, undergone the dieting process to a certain degree and I've, and for me, like the healing, a lot of the healing takes place. So like my ceremonies with ayahuasca, like you said, like these visions of my future. I, I do a lot of future tripping in my in my ayahuasca ceremonies. There's a lot of like inspiration and guidance and assignments that I receive. There's also like um, higher solutions that come through or a revealing of some core wounds that are still needing to be tended to and transmuted and integrated and worked with and all of that stuff. Um, but I, I it was it's rare that I go into the past and so um, for me a lot of the it's like oh the healing takes place well beyond the ceremony itself the ceremony is really just the beginning and um, the work begins outside of ceremony this is when it's like boots on the ground now I have to look at everything within me that is in dissonance or out of alignment with this vision that I've received 
And so what do I need to let go of? What do I need to heal? What do I need to integrate and see and upgrade in order to align my now self with this vision so that I can carry this medicine with just immaculate integrity and purity? Because again, it comes through me if I'm holding space and ceremony or the shaman's holding space and ceremony we want to make sure that the shaman has done a certain degree of healing within themselves and purification so that the the medicine or the frequency isn't moving through a vehicle that is um, out of alignment with purity and source frequency did that answer your question <laughs> yes thank you um i have more so yeah tell me more about this like I, that's like i never heard nobody before to receive this particular life purpose i think it's a very beautiful purpose to have these children you know so you mean have them with 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 plant medicines like both psychedelic and non-psychedelic just in general or have them specifically with ayahuasca or like what 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 do you envision like you envision a center or a program or like how like did you receive information about that yeah um so it was only i i've known i've kind of been receiving like little nuggets and bits of information about um a healing center. So I've received guidance of creating a healing center. Um, and while honoring and while honoring this lineage and bringing this lineage into the healing center. Um, so yes, working with plant medicines. So for me, I see it was it was only um, my my most recent trip to Peru, it was this time last year, I was there for three months. And that was like the big portal of initiation for me where I received the um, permission essentially from the medicine to, uh, to, con to continue forward and to carry this medicine and to facilitate and offer this medicine to others. And um, I'd been praying for to ayahuasca for five years like just can like show me my sister like can we connect can i see her again can i meet her again and she never did until my final ceremony it was december 3rd actually or december 4th it was a new moon it was just like so the timing of everything was just so divine and perfect um and she took me into the hospital room. And I remember being like, oh my God, this is it. <laughs> I've been asking for this vision for, for four years and, and or for five years and here it is. So she, I was back into the, in the hospital room with my sister the first time I stepped into the hospital room when she was diagnosed initially and she had tubes up her nose um, and she was sick, her skin was pale. But this time I could see the energy of ayahuasca just swimming through the walls and dripping through her IV and like the blanket, everything. So ayahuasca was present and I realized that ayahuasca was present all along. It just allowed me to see that her 
passing was really part of my initiation and it was it's um it's it feels very like very much like a soul contract and so she and i her spirit you know is very much a part of this as well and the path that i walk is in honor of her life and um people and children and families who are perhaps undergoing something similar but i realized that you know like so why like i used to ask why why would a nine-year-old get sick like why why did why do these things happen till i realized that these that, that three little word really takes you nowhere but deeper into the suffering and i also see it as well it's it's not it wasn't hers you know this is this is bigger than than her and i this is ancestral this is familial and so i saw that what she was carrying, what manifested in her little body as cancer um, was really, it wasn't hers to begin with. And so fast forward in that vision, it went from the hospital room to a healing center. And it was like this big, beautiful house. It was a home that was turned into a, a facility to welcome children and their families to where the children will come and stay and we'll do different things like working with the unconscious and hypnotic work and medicines working with these non-psychoactive plant medicines to help heal the body une de gato is a wonderful plant for um for cellular regeneration and restructuring and revitalization and I mean, there's other plants too. Like I, I, there's so much still that I don't know and that's being revealed to me. Um, but I realized that it's not just the, the children that need healing. So if the children are manifesting these diseases in their bodies, it's, I mean, yes, we do live in a toxic world now. And what are, their, what are the parents and what's, being, what's happening in the environment that is influencing and modeling to these children these disempowering belief systems or frequencies of dissonance and disharmony to where they are now carrying cancer or expressing the genes of cancer and so i see it as <clears throat> and also um i saw myself leading ceremony for the children to but where they weren't drinking ayahuasca unless like it was perhaps pure vine or guided and it was part of their healing um but it was in a really so the more further in t back in time before westerners and everybody was drinking ayahuasca and the brew that contained these two components the shaman or the healer would facilitate the ceremony and the participant would just receive the ikaros, the healing medicine songs. And so they wouldn't drink any medicine, but the curandero or the shaman would. And in the drinking of the medicine from the shaman, the shaman would receive a diagnosis of the patient, what needs to happen next. So they would receive a diagnosis and they would receive a protocol as far as what plant they need to drink, maybe they enter into the dieting process, how long do they drink the plant, et cetera. Other things that need to shift in their lives to support the medicine work. 
And so this is the vision that I, that I have and that I see is to, yes, sit with children in ceremony, but without the children drinking the medicine um, because they can, they'll still receive the, the frequency of the ikoros and the songs in that way. All right, thank you. So um, can you say a little bit more, because I know a lot of people who go with the ayahuasca and then they receive, you know, similar insights that they are called to serve the medicine, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, like which lineage you work with and what kind of training you went through and who did give you permission to actually like serve the medicine and and carry this medicine yeah so my teacher he uh studied with the shuar tribe which is um close to the border of peru and ecuador and so that's who i have studied with um that would be the lineage if you will um and i received permission from my teacher uh, to facilitate this medicine as well. Um, and really it's the, and then also like receiving the guidance through my own practice, the dieting practice, um, and then checking in with myself as well as my teacher, like, is this, is this, this is what I'm receiving. This is what I'm hearing. Is this appropriate? Is it time? Right? Like, um and so receiving the confirmation from him that yes and so also the way that i am being guided to facilitate the medicine is um there's a lot of like preliminary work that i facilitate for i'm I'm primarily working with women at this point um where we are doing um integrated breakthrough work. So I work with the unconscious mind. So we're addressing traumas and um, big emotions. And so we're doing months of work prior to prepare ourselves emotionally, psychically, or um, mentally, physically, in order to sit in ceremony in this way, Um, as well as ongoing work afterwards to integrate so that we can optimize the work that we're doing with these plants versus just like sitting in ceremony receiving the visions and now we return to life and nothing you know nothing changes unless something changes um and so yeah yeah i wanted to ask you about that because yeah you said that um, the real work starts outside of the ceremony and that's very true that what kind of tools and practices do you use to support yourself and support others in this work? And yeah, and where did you learn them? Yeah. So, um, well, <laughs> yeah, when I first started, like my ceremonies have for the most part really been blissful. I've had a couple of uh, ceremonies where they were really um, perhaps scary. Like for example, one time I thought I was never coming out of this state. The sun was never gonna rise ever again. And I was gonna be stuck in darkness until I chose to get out of darkness, but I didn't know how. Um, 
and so that was like a real that was a real big that was early on that was my seventh ceremony and that was a big teaching and a humbling experience as far as like okay you are working with a very serious medicine a very powerful medicine and you need to experience sort of the spectrum of this medicine um and and cultivate you know deeper rapport and deeper respect for this medicine um so outside of ceremony like my ceremonies were really beautiful and for the most part really benevolent and wonderful and deeply healing and then i would step out of ceremony and life would continue and i was extremely reactional highly triggered i was like i was just like any minute boiling over and i was in the perfect environment to trigger all of my deepest insecurities and my core wounds and these things that like i didn't think that i was traumatized i had a really wonderful up bringing in life and um you know even this the passing of my sister i didn't label that as trauma because of what society was talking about what trauma was and so like i didn't really think that i had that much to do <laughs> or to heal from if that makes sense until life started to continue and again i was just like i was highly triggered and very reactional and i felt like i was losing my mind at times i didn't feel like myself and it felt like really intense i was under a lot of pressure my inner world was under a lot of pressure um, but i didn't have the understanding or the tools or the support to to recognize what was happening nobody in my community had worked with ayahuasca in this way. Um, so, and I was, you know, I was sitting in ceremony quite regularly because I was working with a group and I wasn't always sitting in ceremony for myself, but I would still drink like just a little bit of medicine, not to feel the effects, but to connect. And um, so it was about a year under that pressure maybe even a little bit longer i had under i had gone to peru twice for the dieting process and um then and i knew that i wanted to help people integrate their ayahuasca experiences so i was looking for certifications and things like that and this particular certification came into my awareness integrated breakthrough coaching and um so hypnosis nlp um integrated breakthrough coaching, timeline therapy, different things like that to work with the unconscious mind to cultivate awareness and to identify really like the root of what is causing these surface level issues. And so I started going through the, the certification and in this process I realized, oh, like this is actually for me and this is exactly what I needed in order to start integrating my medicine work. And I had already been on the med medicine path for like a year and a half at this point. Um, and so it was just, it. I, I, I dove in and I started to be able to, to go deeper and deeper and deeper, sort of like following the surface level things that were coming up for me, the surface level triggers. I would just like follow those down deeper 
to like the core trigger, which as we know, it's never the present moment. If we're being triggered by something in the present moment in that way, it tells us that it is, it is actually our unconscious mind registering this present moment as similar in some way, shape or form to an experience that happened in the past, this lifetime, or perhaps even previous lifetimes. And so um, this is the, the therapeutic coaching that I facilitate to support people in both preparation and integration of their ayahuasca journey. Thank you. So can you tell an example from your own experience? Because we talk a lot about core wounds and, you know, core beliefs, like what was, for example, one core wound that you became aware that you have? And how does that look like when you kind of work through that and heal or integrate that so people can have more like a practical understanding? You know, what does these words mean? Yeah. So, I mean, as you know, healing is like peeling back the layers of the onion, right? And so like we peel, peel back one layer and then the next expression or the next layer of that might reveal itself. Um, and so I never really, and in the process, again, it's a process, we are cultivating greater emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and um, life force energy within ourselves to where we have a greater capacity to first identify like, okay, I, I am aware of this happening. I am now I have the energetic capacity to sit with it or observe it right without without reacting to it, or engaging with it, or perpetuating it, just simply observing it. And then we get to the point to where we can, one of my teachers in, in the fourth way, um, she, we work with intentional suffering to where we can resist the urge to go into um, past patterns, if you will, or responses and to, to start to allow this charge this energetic charge to diffuse and so you hold it and then you you work with it to a certain degree to where eventually it cultivates its own energy and then it just diffuses itself and we don't really have to do too much more with it um and so with that said um core wounds it's like it's <laughs> if you if you're familiar with astrology i always think of the asteroid or the the archetype of chiron the wounded healer to where he was immortal but was wounded and had to live with his wound for eternity and to where he never really healed like entirely from his wound but he became so intimate with his wound um again he established a new relationship with the wound to where it didn't affect him in the way it perhaps once did and his medicine or his wound became his medicine and so for me um it, it's a sister wound around and and there's a lot too around my sister my twin sister who had passed and when we were younger 
she, um, you know, she required a lot of attention and care. And I knew that even when I was younger, you know, it was, I knew that and I was okay with it. And it still imprinted me at the level of the unconscious to where some of my childhood, my little girl, my inner child needs weren't met in the way that I wanted them and needed them to be met. And so there was a lot of um, stuff around <laughs> of wanting to be seen, but not feeling seen, um, wanting to, um, and then also feeling like unwanted, which perhaps goes even further back than her being sick and perhaps being even being in wound, which is interesting because I, as a twin, I've connected with some other twins randomly, right? Or coincidentally, although there's never a coincidence. And I see these, these patterns of this, like this loneliness, feeling alone, feeling isolated, feeling separate then, um, and then, and, or, or feeling like, we want to take up space, but we can't take up space. And so reverting to the, I'm just going to sit back and it's okay. Like everything's fine, but consciously everything's fine. Unconsciously, everything's not fine and things aren't being met. And so part of it is just bringing greater rapport between the unconscious and the conscious to where, as Carl Jung says, until we make the unconscious conscious, it continues to, to, um, to rule or direct the show or run, run the show. And we'll just sit back and call it fate. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, it, again, it's a process and there is the process of first becoming aware of these things. And typically we can become aware of these things by looking at the activation or the trigger and then following that and it might take time right to sort of dissolve the um the that the charge that it has so that we can sit with it in a way to where we can see it more clearly or observe it in a way that's going to lead us somewhere deeper um in my in my coaching practice i work with a technique to where we um it's an active imagination tech we technique to where we dissociate and go back and visit the experience perhaps to where we can gain the teachings of the experience from a different perspective dissociated therefore release the emotional charge that is weaving its way between significant emotional events throughout our timeline. Thank you. So how did your family kind of respond to you taking like 180 degrees and going to Peru with the ayahuasca and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like my family's only now starting to come around. My family's always been supportive and especially because of the past um, and it being, you know, like tender and, and realizing that our life is not normal. 
because of this? How can we make it as normal as possible? And so I've always had a lot of support. Like I support you, follow your heart and things like that. Um, and people don't really understand because <laughs> nobody's worked with, I come from a holistic family, a family of chiropractors. And so there is uh, uh, an appreciation and a respect for holistic healing. Um, and my family doesn't quite understand the work and the world in which I walk because they haven't walked it themselves, but they do support me. Um, and now I feel like I, I have reached a point to where they can see, like there was a pocket of time. It's like the disintegration before the integration where the emotions are coming up and um, so the unraveling, right? And it can be a little bit disorienting and it can be a little bit confusing for the person. And so you can imagine the family who's watching this happen might feel concern for this person. Um, and I just, I was so devoted to this path and I had so much trust and still do that it allowed me to persevere and, um, and now I've, I've reached a point to where the people who were once concerned, they're seeing that, oh, like it, it's like, she's happier, she's healthier she is more alive you know like she's different i even look different um and so and they're they're starting to see how so now they're starting to have greater trust because i've reached i feel a, a certain point on my path to where they can they can also see the progress that i've made that's wonderful good to have the support of the family <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah where can people reach you who want to possibly maybe work with you or experience you know what you're offering like just tell us what you're excited about right now yeah so um i am most currently i'm undergoing a website update and so my website does not reflect um me today it's about two years outdated um it's celestepalmercoaching.com and then i'm also on instagram at celeste palmer just my name um and i am most excited about this beautiful offering that was i feel is being created through me for a really um particular person and it is called the serpent and the rose where we are weaving sacred plant medicine specifically ayahuasca with sophia christ consciousness and the divine feminine and so this is for women who are feeling stuck or stagnant um, women who know deeply in their being that there's more to life than their current experience people who are re really ready to commit to their healing path so that they can greater embody their higher purpose their sacred sovereignty their divine truth 
And it's perhaps even for people who women, this particular container is, it's a women's container, a female bodied women's container. Um, and who people who, who carry their own medicine, whatever that looks like, right? And so the, the process is to, again, begin to identify and purge the anything that is not in alignment with our highest potential, that vision or that spark of us that we were intended and created through the creator by. And so um, the serpent and the rose, and there's uh, an opportunity for this in the new year. Again, there's preliminary work that's beginning now, actually. Um, so in late 2022, and the next retreat will be in February of 2023. Wonderful. We're going to include uh, the links in the description. So yeah, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and your offerings with us today. And I hope uh, that uh, all of the listeners like this episode. So please like and subscribe to our channel. And yeah, check out my website, Avatar Healing Arts, for all the offerings. And stay tuned for the next episode. So thank you, Celeste. Awesome. Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. So much fun. <laughs>